the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your ever-splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted that you are joining us again. I hope that you gain something from these episodes. I'm sure you'll gain something from today's, where I am speaking to the founders of the DITC, the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, Ian Brett and Chris Benstead. Now, Chris joined me way back at one of the early episodes of season one, and I felt that as we're beginning to wrap up season two, it'll be good to reflect and see where the DITC has gone and what changes have made. Uh, and it's a fascinating episode listening to the two very different personalities. It's one I enjoyed recording, and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to it. But just before we head over to that, I want to say make sure you click in subscribe. Wherever you're listening, click subscribe, click follow, whatever it is on whatever platform, because... We do have some bonus shows coming up. The season will be wrapped up over the next couple of weeks, and we have got some midweek bonus shows coming up. Now, if you're subscribed, they'll drop straight into your feed. If it's one you don't want to listen to, then you can always just delete it or not listen to it. But to save you going and looking for it, make sure you click subscribe so it drops straight into your feed. But that's enough for me. Um, As I said, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm sure you will. You'll catch me at the end with a little review. But for now, let's crack on. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we're joined by experts, leaders, innovators, and indeed game changers. And today we are joined by the magnificent pairing of Ian Brett and Chris Benson. Now, before I get in and ask you to introduce yourselves, I am going to go into a question more straight away. And I am going to ask you, Chris, out of the innovators, leaders, experts, and game changers, what bracket would you put Ian in? Oh, that's a question. No, no advance warning or anything. Hang on, experts. I hate the phrase expert because um, X being out of date and defunct and a spurt being a drip under pressure, he's, he's got to be that one, hasn't he? Okay, cool. And then the same question to Ian. What would you, what bracket expert, innovator, leader or game changer, what bracket would you put Chris in? Oh, that's a very good question. I think I'd have to go game changer because Chris would be changing the rules so that he wins every time. Oh, yes, I agree. <laughs> I mean, so we've set theme. Can I just clarify? I completely disagree with what you said, but um, you're the expert bit. I'll have to, I'll take and accept that the explanation. I won't. <laughs> I mean, I like this kind of backhanded compliments in both of the ways you said it. You know, but anyway, there's a backhanded compliment in that. I'd like to remove that bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, we've discussed editing and we've discussed recording. It's staying in. Uh, all right. So um, let, let's kind of dive straight into why you guys are here. Uh, we'll come on to talk about the DITC. And let's see if I can do this correctly. The Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective. Correct. Excellent. So um, let's start off by just telling us a little bit about that, about where we are now with the DITC. So the DITC is the game changer. Um, I'll, I'll pass that title across because it is uh, the industry that's the problem. There's no structure to it. There's no communication to it. And as long as that is the case, instructors are going to suffer. So that's where you know we really want to create a platform that is going to be the go-to, that's going to give people the information. And they're slowly figuring that out. Um, as you know, questions are coming up 
it's the being the first port of call rather than I've looked everywhere and I can't find it. They're getting in touch and saying, what's the information? Because I know you've got it. So, you know, that's really coming together. And we're really looking forward to to developing things further in, in the new year. Um, it's been an interesting year for everybody. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm hoping things are going to settle down a bit, but who knows? It will just be really nice to be able to grow some of the ideas that are, you know, it, there's so much you have to do behind the scenes. Um, you know, putting everything in place that no one will ever know is there. Websites are the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, and Neil Cartwright, our website guy, is awesome. Um, he's really put up with me giving a bad explanation of what we need, and he's he's made them happen. Um, but just trying to get those things in place, that's been, you know, been challenging. Uh, and then, so we, we just want to sort of work with it and find out what instructors want. We know what we want. We know what we think's wrong. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of debating it with yourself on, on the podcast. Uh, so we know what you think, but we'd like to know what all the other ones think as well. Um, just before I kind of throw the same question to Ian, uh, I will just mention on the behind the scenes thing. I think that's massive. I think it's really underestimated what, what goes on behind the scenes at certain places. Because even if you think of just like uh, the independent driving instructor, the stuff that you do for your pupils, whether it's, you know, the, the diary, just the diary management stuff, um, getting from lesson to lesson, the, the students see that that lesson and that's all they see the hour or two hours or whatever they don't see everything else that goes on around it and i think it's sometimes the same for us as as consumers of, of the ditc for example we just see the front we don't see what goes on behind it and even stuff like you coming on this podcast which is you know partly to come on to promote the ditc this is it's done partly for that reason so that's more work that you're doing to to get the ditc out there so uh so yeah i just felt it was relevant to mention that um just Going on what, what Chris said, Ian, are you pretty much the, the same opinion as that? Yeah, I think that um, we're still trying to put the groundwork in. I think it's also it's difficult at the moment with the uncertainty that's out there. We want a very clear message, which is these are the facts. We'd like to start doing other stuff, but until we can get the message out clearly, consistently, and until we're in a situation where life's a bit more normal it's not changing as much we would much rather keep it simple for the moment whilst life is challenging and then build once it's all calmed down and we can put the groundwork in while we're waiting for that time to come around so are you finding then because you said about keeping the message simple you find normal some messages changing a little bit What's the, what's the message? Well, it's yeah. the message messaging from sort of DVSA, from NASP, from government. It's I end up with so many emails coming in on a daily basis from lots of different places, most of which aren't particularly relevant, most of which are just kind of just get deleted. That you end up losing, you can't separate the wheat from the chaff. Whereas what we'd like to do is we'd like to be able to just give the wheat give the good bits that you need rather than trying to confuse people, complicate things and dilute the message down. And it's, it's when you need the message as well, because today it comes into my inbox and it's not relevant in a week. A pupil says, Oh, I need this. And 
you go, I had that. <laughs> I don't know where to find it now. You know, it, it's those things. You, you say something to someone. It's the same with your pupils on lessons, isn't it? You'll have said it a hundred times before that you give way to the right roundabout, but doesn't mean that they've listened. Um, and then suddenly they come back on the next lesson. And uh, I was out with my dad the other day and he told me, whack, you know, hands to forehead, because it's a podcast, I'll just explain it. And um, yeah, it, yeah, it, you'd think I have mentioned it once or twice. Um, but I, th I think that's the thing with the messages is they've got to hit the right place at the right time. They've got to hit first, you know. Still, I think still it's, it's also, um, if something's changing today, I needed to know about it yesterday or the day before, not halfway through today. Because um, things are changing at the moment in quite a few ways, um, and we need to be prepared for those changes as much as we can, especially when you start looking at the, the really big stuff like electric cars coming, the ending of internal combustion engine cars sales and things they're going to have massive repercussions for us and we need to be planning for that now i think so just before we move on to that side of it I, I want to touch back on one thing you said as well you mentioned the emails i think that's key at the minute I, I, there's a flood of emails that go out from from associations and from other distributors and i think there's too many I think that some of them, and I'm not going to name names, but they'll send out relevant information, but it's not necessarily time-bound, but you'll get one every day. And it's like, no, just send out, send it out once a week with a link on so we can go and read more about it if we want to. Because, and, and there's other, not going to name names, that are out there that just send stuff and it's just selling selling shit, essentially. And that, that particular association is now in my spam box because I don't want to read that. So it means that I'm going to miss like one of the ten minute ten one of the ten emails that is worthwhile. I'm now going to miss because I put it in my spam because I don't want to be sold some on email every every day. And I think that's key as well. And I think you only have the bandwidth for half those emails. The other half, you end up they're, they're guilty by association. Yeah, you know because they come through from the same source, you end up like like you said, just it comes through and either you're straight to spam or you delete it immediately. Devil's yeah. advocate. It's really difficult, um, and we're not. We haven't necessarily got it right all the way through. Um, and you're trying to sell to, um, if that's the right term, the whole industry, as in you're going to provide the information that they need and want, and they don't always know that they need it. Um, so, I think that's that's a real challenge, and I think that. That's something we're really interested in, in in trying to learn from. We don't want to go down the weekly email going out um, with you know lots and lots of information in it. We we've said from the beginning what we like to do is, is have almost the um, money saving expert style email that comes out that's got those links that you mentioned, which is I know it's there. I could look in my inbox if I need to find them. And that will take me through to, you know, the, the top 10 things that people are, are looking at, um, the the new bits of information, which when they were new, weren't relevant to me. But to look at the, the, the call I'm getting a lot at the moment is uh, I've just tested positive with COVID. What do I need to do? Um, because 
there's a knock-on effect for pupils, for the driving test, for the instructor, for the instructor's family, that all of those things, we're focused on not getting it. That That's where the focus is. Once you then get that result, that, you know, that is a, a, a separate thing and you've got to have the right answers for that. And again, it's changing. So I, I think there's a real issue with salesy stuff. We're not, we're not good at receiving it as an industry because we assume everyone's ripping us off. Um, but we've also said uh, on the podcast numerous times that actually the good stuff is worth paying for. So trying to differentiate, you know, making sure it's enough but not too much. See, I, I think you're I'm not sure I agree when you say devil's advocate there because I think you're just correct. It is hard to find that balance. It is hard. I can imagine that whether you're an association or an organisation like yourselves or whatever that's trying to find the right balance between ramming stuff down people's throat and sending out useful information. It is a delicate balance, but when you are sending out more adverts than use or, or, or beneficial content, then that's when it becomes... It, that's just an obvious point, the tipping point where it becomes less relevant. I mean, the, the instructor podcast, I can't facilitate a, a, a newsletter style email at the minute. I, I haven't got the capacity to do that, but there will be at some point. And I think I'm going to kind of formulate it into the way that I do my Facebook post, for example, because what I tend to do there is I tag people in it and I'll tag whether it's the organization or whether it's the person. And the reason I do that. It is, I think people maybe have the wrong ideas. It's not necessary to get people to share it. It's so that people, so when you guys, when I post this post, if anyone listens to it or sees the Facebook post, they can go and click on you and they can, they've got access to you without it being rammed down their throat. And I think that's, that's the correct way to do it. Now, of course, I want that post sharing, which is why I send you guys a link as well. <laughs> but, but that's the, the different strategy behind it. And I don't know, it just, it, it's something that bothers me a little bit. It's, it's no wonder there's so many ADIs that disconnect from, from the message that you were talking about and when they're just getting 16,000 different messages rammed down their throat every day. Yeah. Anyway, rant over. I'm going to go back to what I wanted to ask at the start, which was the comparison uh, within the DITC in that you came on, I believe it was, I should have checked this, I believe it was April at the start of the year. It was definitely sort of episode four or five of season one. And you came on, Chris, to talk about the, the DITC. I'm just wondering if you could tell us uh, if the, what changes, if any, there has been within the DITC sort of within this year and also any changes in philosophy or any changes that you've, you've got planned going forward. I think the biggest change, the, the the concept is the same. The problem hasn't changed. So the biggest change is, um, speaking for myself definitely, uh, and I think I speak for Ian and the, the DITC as, as a whole, um, less focus on the DBSA. I think the events that have happened, what we've followed through from uh, from April through to now, is that actually we're happy to engage. You know, if the information is coming through, if there's something we can work together on, brilliant. But our energy and our focus needs to be on maximum. We'll let them get on with things. Whereas at the beginning, you know, they were really open to, to the concept and, and they like that idea, but everything's slow moving uh, because it's tied to government. And then we saw the the issues where they didn't have any control. Um, the the 
B plus E fiasco, which is ongoing. Um, you know, just getting information out there. They weren't getting it until it was t- too late for us. We we needed it three days before. So I think that we've we've twisted slightly in focus. Um, from we're, we're still open. We're still keen to communicate with them, but actually our efforts and energy are going to go into how can we bring in um, excellence, awesomeness and innovation into the driving instructor industry so the DVSA can follow, you know, rather than than try and work with, let's let's actually lead. Um, and, and that's, I think that's why going back to your first question of, you know, in, of, uh, experts, leaders and innovators and game changers. Um, I think the only way that the industry can change isn't with individual leaders. I think it's with the crowd, the collective coming together and changing very slightly what we do very slightly what the focus is and then that takes us on a on a different heading in a different direction so i'll throw this one to you then again how how is the ditc bringing in the uh, the excellence and the awesomeness into the industry i think at the moment we're just trying to keep everybody sane and keep everybody's head above water because it's entertaining out there at the moment um i was at a test center today and the examiners were saying about how um, if you don't turn up with a mask, they won't be going out. It's all coming from government. And the message has changed slightly, even though the message itself hasn't. Um, so what we're trying to do is get the people in place who, not necessarily from the inside of the industry, there's other people as well. And I think there's been uh, a lot of work that I've done, which is looking outside the industry to find those people that we want to talk to, because we need to bring new ideas in. Um, we've all sat here, we've all looked around the room and tried to work out what we can do as instructors. And I think we need to start looking outside with the likes of um, how coaching, even though I don't think like the term, came in. And that was from outside the industry with Sir John Whitmore and kind of the work that he'd done. I think that's where the innovation is going to come. It's not from necessarily within driving instructors. I think we need to be looking outside and look at those driving instructors who are already looking out and see what they're learning, how they're changing and what we can learn from people like the ones they're learning from. We are, we are magpies, aren't we? As a, as a, an industry, as, as individuals, we, we love stealing stuff. Um, little phrases, ideas, and and I don't think we do that enough from out from outside. As Ian's saying, it's there's a lot more we can we can take on board and, and use less of a focus on the four wheels and more of a focus on the person who's driving it. Um, you know, I, I think go, going forward, you know, looking into next year, um, the you know, I, I'm doing theory training all the time now. Um, that's my focus, uh, aside from the DITC. So we're, we're going to have a real focus on theory because it's bloody awful. Um, we're not good at it. Um, I like to think the DVSA are open to change on that, you know, um, but I think the solutions to that are exactly as Ian says, they're from outside. They're looking at how do other people make these work and not just outside of the industry, but outside the country as well. 
there's some much better stuff abroad and we're we're developing some really good uh connections around the world um the the danish instructors are really keen to chat um and and share what they do um and uh we've got a person in france that we've spoken to um italy as well holland were really good uh, I don't know if you remember, they sent us a video over of how they're doing their driving tests because they went back before we did. Um, so those kind of things, you know, there's there's lots of other places we can look. And I think there's also lots of other things we can do because I mean, if you look at the statistics, the pass rate's not changed in God knows how long. Um, uh, so we need to start thinking about what we're doing and what we can do to change that virtual reality online zoom classes facebook groups those kind of things where people can learn from each other as a more collaborative effort rather than just being an individual in a car with an instructor um, potentially looking at things like having different instructors every lesson so you can learn something different that way uh, i've met people in the past who do that i'm not quite sure how that works but it'd be interesting to find out uh, and I've often, I've said for years that I think that people have a greater chance of success if their instructor is not the one taking them. My pass rate's so much better when Chris takes my pupils to test. I claim all the credit for that. Um, <laughs> you would. I, I think, I think there's just there's some simple ideas we could have a look at impl- implementing. That's the one, not implicating. Implementing that would potentially have be, changed the game. Yeah, I think I'm the one that's implicating people today, but we'll we'll pull that to the side. Um, I mean, I must say that, um, yeah, when, with the different instructors thing, it's, I've had it a few times where I've had students that have been having lessons with me and someone else. And I think the three times I've done it, they've all then reverted just to me. And that's a real, like, that stroke of my ego somewhat chronic is that, I mean, it'll happen one day where it goes the other way, where they disappear to the other instructor and I'll just, like, want to quit. But I think that... I think there's um, quite an insulated opinion around a, a lot of people in our industry where it's almost you put the defence up and say that we are we're different to everyone else. We we can't try this. And I always think back to oh, a warning for anyone listening. Football reference: uh, Southampton Football Club hired Clive Woodward, who was the the, the England Rugby Union World Cup winning manager, um, to help them. And, and Harry Redknapp, who were in charge at the time, said. 90% of what he brought in was irrelevant because it didn't apply. He was trying to apply these, these rugby philosophers. It didn't work. He says, but the 10% was awesome. And I think that a lot of people look at that wrong. They think, well, 90%, so it must be crap. You can gain a massive amount just from one or two, one or two, you know, gems. It's like you listen to an episode of this podcast and a lot of it is just conversation. But if you come up with me, one really good spark from listening to an episode of these podcasts, and that's brilliant. And you were you were kind of talking then about the the change or some of the not necessarily the change, but the things you'd like to see or how you'd like to see the industry change or whatnot. But how is the DITC supporting that? What are you guys doing to uh, promote or let people know about those changes? I think the first thing is joining the dots, trying to get as many people involved in the communication chain as possible. Um, I, it's one, one of the, the things that really frustrates me about the approach the DVSA have, which is we're going to use NASP. They've got the register. They could contact all the driving instructors directly through that, and they've got better at doing so. But they want to use NASP 
But you then have to be signed up to one of the collective that make up NASP to be getting that information. Um, I'd, I'd like to see, and I think we're part of the solution, that NASP information being sent out through more channels, or at least people know exactly where to go for it. Um, and I think there's solutions that we could bring in around that which would help. So we'd like to bolster that. Um, we're not pro or anti uh, particularly. We we just think that that information is really important. Let's make sure that information goes out there and, and comes about. And then I, I think what we want to do is is recognise, uh, in the same way you, you are, but this time from inside the industry, those people who have a specialism um, and have got something that, that they can be recognised for, whether it be John Rogers and you know dri drivers with disabilities. Um, I'm always amazed at how few instructors have come across, uh, not, not just John, but the disability driving instructors, um, when they, there's a question. But it is kind of niche, and that's probably because I, I ended up in that niche. Um, I, I ended up being the one who... I didn't necessarily do physical disabilities, but um, any learning needs and that kind of thing um, got poked in my direction, and that's why I discovered it. If you don't, you know, why, why should you? Um, the only reason you should is because it's really important and we should all know it. And unless we can change the entry qualification or entry information being given, not our territory yet, um, but... We need what we need to do is make it available when it becomes relevant. So you know, relevance is is the the key. I think. I think, think it's also about giving people a platform. Um, if people feel they've got information and value to share, we're more than happy to have a conversation about them and give them an outlet for that. Um, if we're not the right outlet, we'll try and point in the direction of the right one for them. Um, because it's not about us being be or an end or it's about us facilitating people getting out there so that they can share what they've got it's it's building bridges it's making connections um and that's that's really what we want to what we want to stand on what we want to be there for we don't want to be the name that gets mentioned we just want to be the source of the name that gets mentioned um, i um I'm struggling to think of a, a, a way to phrase this question that doesn't sound arsy. So I'm going to caveat well, be arsy, I... be arsy. <laughs> well, I'm going to caveat before I start by, by saying I'm a fan of the DITC, but I think what you've both done there is kind of tell me what you want to do with the DITC. I think I'm intrigued to know what you are to let people know what you're specifically doing now. You want some brass tacks, do you? Is that yeah. what we're looking for? Yes, yeah, um, layman's terms. Break it down for me in simple terms. Okay, uh, I'll go with the top three. So the top three things that are, um, again, being being built and, and are coming through, but until, until it's built, you don't see it. Um, directory of services uh, that are connected to the industry, not necessarily unique to the industry, um, but they're relevant to the industry. So, you know, it, working through from anything that you would think of for a driving instructor, insurance and cars, um, I was speaking yesterday to uh, a company that in, is involved in um, crash repairs, um, you know, those kind of things, so the, the, the vehicle-based stuff. But then also 
talking to a company that deals with dyslexia and learning resources for dyslexia um, and, and other kind of teaching, the teaching side of things and trying to bring all of those together so you can you can see what's available and you can discover whether it's right for you or not. Um, so a, a decent directory that is not focused on who will pay the most for adverts, but who's got the most value and you know what's going to be out there so um we're going to have routes out from there connecting to different different media and 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 such so that you can you can go and dig further but you've also got you know a nice array in front of you of of those um a good example of that just to interrupt is the page we've got insurance companies there's a list of insurance companies who deal with driving instructors and there you can find them elsewhere but it's probably the most comprehensive list i've seen but also we've got the questions you need to ask um someone at the weekend decided they'd try and take my door mirror off um the problem is my door mirror is a solid piece of kit and it uh, when my car is being serviced in the week i got them to have a look and they've actually bent the interior mounting bracket of the door so the whole door's got to be replaced I phoned my insurance company and said about um, need to get it replaced. They put me through to the underwriters who are going to send me a bog standard courtesy car with actual controls. It's only that we've done the work that we've done that I phoned my insurer and went, I've got your control courtesy car. But they went, oh, yeah, that's provided by a different company. But if I hadn't thought to ask the question and to confirm I had that, I'd potentially have a week or two without work with my cars off being repaired. Which is really difficult to do on that one time every year that you have to have that phone call that's taking you away from work and trying to remember all of those questions that you've got to ask to make sure it's correct um, when you know, you, you're trying to juggle to get the best price, uh, whatever that is to you, or value, um, depending on who you want to go with. You want a bit of both. But to remember what that question list is, um, and if anyone you know looks at the page on on the ditc.co.uk and uh, has got additional questions, we will happily add them. Um, you know, it's the same with the PIPL cover. I don't think most instructors understand exactly what it is, so we've got in touch with the uh, the experts and got them to explain what some of those questions are, um, and then uh, Patterson Law. Um, who are motoring legal experts um, you know they've answered questions for us and continue to do so when they come up um, so that we're getting the accurate advice coming out it's not us making it up every time um, which I think happens too much I mean what I'll say is uh, sort of my philosophy from day one on, on the show is always bringing in people that I endorse or would happily promote and, and support um, so I'm clearly a, a back the DITC, and I think the thing that I find it most beneficial for is, I suppose it's two things. Firstly, is that if I wanted to find something out, do other guys I go to, whether it's you directly or whether it's the looking for something in the group or, or even uh, you guys are really good at relaying information when it comes out. So, you know, when the ADI and JC or NASP or whatever puts them out, you know, or even if it's the, the DVSA, you're good at relaying that so that if you're not, you know, if, like me, you have uh, spammed some of those emails, 
you will I can then go and find it quite easily. And also you state the facts rather than opinion. You're always willing to give an opinion, but that's not the first case scenario. The first case scenario is always these are the facts. I think the the other thing I like with the ITC, and this is something that, that's personal to me and that it's just how I, my brain works. You guys are a bit like a, a safety net. I know that you you're there if I need you. You know, sign up to you guys. I might not need you for two years, but in two years' time, there might be something that happens. Like, and and you, then you're going to earn your money's worth from it, uh, you know. And I think that's the the big that that's how I get the most out of the ITC anyway. Isn't isn't that one of the issues with associations and insurance as well? Is that you know people don't see value because they haven't needed them. Uh, the the call that I get um the the most a regarding association need for associations is when people are looking at losing their badge for whatever reason um a lot of them don't turn out to be that bad but people start to panic early um but other ones are you know i've got six points on my license for whatever reason uh didn't let the dbsa know for whatever reason don't do it let them know um, but you know, some of them I can see were genuine oversights and I'm now faced with losing my job, losing my business, everything that I've worked for 20 years on, um, you know, and what do I do next? My first statement is always, which association are you a member of? And their first statement is I'm not in all the cases I think that I've dealt with. Um, so they, they they then go and look into it and, and we are happy to support where we can but that's what associations are for they're good at it they've done it lots especially the nasp ones um that dvsa listened to so you know you want them fighting your corner when you need them it's always when you need them uh say the same with you, you you only appreciate your insurance company when they do a good job when you need them um and we want to be more than that further down the line we want to be there for the everyday. Um, but at the moment, yeah, uh, I, I keep saying to people, there's one, one, one person who said, you know, I, I was a member, didn't see any benefit in it, so I've left. And I said, I, I haven't heard from you at all. Um, and uh, he hadn't phoned myself, hadn't phoned Ian, hadn't messaged us. How can we offer what that person needs and wants if they don't ask? So ask, get in touch. You don't have to be a member to get in touch and ask. Because then we can say yes, we can do it for members, and we'll we'll put it on the you know on the books. And a lot of the time, we know it and we've got it. Um, you know, at, at the moment, I'm working on the menopause um, for some you know an example of how diverse we're trying to be um, of trying to put some really complex information that I'm definitely not an expert on, but from the experts together. Because I've had a number of of instructors get in touch and say it's affecting me and my job. So brilliant, you know, we'll, we'll tackle that and try try to help where we can. I appreciate the, the limitations that I have. So we're just taking a slight pause in the show. First of all, to give a shout out to our newest member of the Instructor Podcast Premium, which was Liam. And Liam sent me a smashing message just saying that he's listened to the show for a while. It's helped him pass his part free and helped him decide what type of instructor he wants to be. 
I genuinely couldn't get a nicer message than that. I think that's that's exactly what I wanted this show to do, and that's genuinely made my day. So uh, a big shout-out to Liam there. Appreciate him joining, and it's really great that it's helped him like that. Liam has also taken advantage of one of the special offers that I have, which is if you sign up to Instructor Podcast Premium, you will also get a 10% discount on Bob Morton's client-centered learning course. Now, the Instructor Podcast Premium is £10, so you'll get £10 discount on Bob Morton's learning course. Essentially, you're getting the Instructor Podcast for free. I think that's pretty good going. But on top of that, we also have some current series running over there. So we've got the Alternative Routes, where we're looking at different ways you can run your business. Coaching Questions, where I'm speaking to coaches from inside and outside the industry and asking them some key questions around that topic. The standards check checklist, which seems to be the most popular one so far, speaking to different trainers and breaking down the itinerary of the standards check, as well as test talks where we get presentations around different topics. And there's all sorts of other stuff in there as well. But the best way to find out is to go to www.theinstructorpodcast.com over there. Go to the premium section and you can have a look at what's on offer and just click the link to go and sign up. But for now, let's crack on with the rest of the show. We're not, we're not afraid to go into territory that other people haven't been in or haven't seen benefit in doing so because it's there's two sides to driving instructing. There's the job and then there's the person who's self-employed and it is part of your life, not just part of turning up every day. So that's what we, you know, what we want to see going into the future. If um, if you are listening and having any menopause troubles, uh, menopause troubles even, um, stay tuned because there may be a little bonus episode coming up that maybe also assist you. Um, either way, I think you're right there as well because it's not just. I think it's everything. It's not just on the insurance side of it and that side, the, the the association side of it. If you think about your standards check, you know why don't you know why don't so many people go and get further training because they don't have a standards check due. You know, it applies to everything like that. Um, you know, why why do you keep eating the way you eat? Because I'm not ill yet. <laughs> you know, it's it's I think it's a it's a human thing. But you said uh, something there about sort of where you want the, the DITC to go. Uh, I'm gonna ask you this one first, Ian. Is there an end goal or or a next big sort of milestone that, that you're looking to achieve? The end goal is probably being a situation where we're not needed. Everyone knows what they need to know. Everyone knows where to go and get the information. And the industry as a whole is in a better position. The next step is to start getting information onto the website, to start getting information shared from there. And to start getting some deals and offers in place that will actually start to help change people's businesses and change the way they live their lives. Uh, That might be um, giving them access to Chris's theory training and being able to get them to help their pupils that way. Uh, It might be helping them to save money on their utility bills, their mortgages, their car insurance, Um, it might be giving them access to courses and to books and things that can help them change the way they do their business. Um, I recently passed my Rosper Gold and that's made me look at a few things I do in my teaching and 
I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have expected it to change. Um, there's a couple of things I've picked up that made me think, sit there and think, do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? There's certain things in Rosper that I would never teach to a learner. Um, there are other things that I might teach to certain learners. There are other things that I think were a brilliant idea. I'm stunned I never thought of it. And I've started putting that in to my training more. So I want to throw this one at you now. So I'll go with you again first, Ian. Um, what does Chris bring to the DITC? <laughs> I'm, I'm not editing this pause out, by the way. <laughs> got- Sorry, my internet broke up. <laughs> um, Chris brings a lot of passion and a lot of experience from different sectors where he has he's been asked lots of questions he's done lots of things um and he's got lots of experiences okay uh chris what uh, what are um uh, what does ian brings to the DITC? For, for those that don't know us um ian and i have a very strange relationship um which we always start with explaining that i married him but he then finishes by saying no, I didn't marry you because I've got standards. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I had the pleasure of standing at the front of the room and, and uh, being, you know, the most important person at his wedding. And um, the when when people meet us and chat with us about the industry and stuff, that you know, we're happy to have a bit of banter. We're happy to to joke about and normally at each other's expense. We, you know, that's what we're really good at. But when things need to be done, we we get them done. Um, and that's how we ended up working together. Because I was told um, twice in a week that I wasn't a finisher completer. Um, that, you know, I was an ideas person. Uh, I was good with innovation and coming up with things. But getting things down on paper or the kind of – I like seeing where things took me. But then actually stopping and going, right, let's do something with this, wasn't my natural strength. I've got much better at it. Uh, I've worked really hard at it. I've paid for courses um, that have have helped me develop those skills. Um, And uh, I listened to a really good podcast the other day about um, uh, agile uh, management. Agile management? Agile coaching, I'm guessing. Agile coaching. That was it. Um, so, uh, you know, those I, I, I have post-it notes that help me. And I, that's what Ian's really good at, is um, keeping the, the, the idea storm that is constantly going on um, and the, the thoughts of, you know, we can do this, this and this, and then centering them. Um, uh, he, he's a bit of a lightning rod, lightning conductor that, you know, when all those things are going off, going, you know, that one's the one that will work. Um, and between the two, you know, I, I think that that really, really works. So he, he, he brings some grounding um, to, to that. And and between those two opposites, as I say, anyone that spent five minutes in a room with us will, will you know, will see the differences. He's tall and thin, um, ish, and uh, we 
we therefore complement each other really well. And I think that helps in, in what you were saying earlier, Terry, about the information we put out tends to get to the point um, and tends to be fairly neutral. I think that's because we both look at it and we make sure that it's it's doing that. Um, the only thing we agree on is everything can improve and, and we should be aiming for the maximum standards. The rest of it we can debate. I, uh, and we do. <laughs> I um, I'm mightily amused by the fact that when I asked Ian to describe Chris, Ian said he's passionate and says things. And when I asked Chris to describe Ian, Chris went on a bit of a monologue about himself for a minute. <laughs> I think that probably sums a pair of you up. Purely, purely trying to make sure that people understand <laughs> what we're about. Um, because, you know, when, when one of us walks into a room, they normally go, where's the other one? Um, COVID stopped that a bit. You know, it, it was, it's been weird. Um, and I'd just like to add to that, that when I wander into a room, they go, where's the other one? Do I need to leave? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's all good. All right. So, um, editing into 2020. Two. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, any specific goals that, that you're looking for for the DITC in 2022? Yes. Um, we want to get more businesses involved, uh, both in the industry and outside the industry, so that we can start to kind of show um, we can start to show value from a this is how you can improve your business. This is how you can improve the way you teach, but also show value in the fact that we can start saving people money on buying their next car, their mortgage, their utility bills, those kind of things, so that the membership fee that you pay is vastly, vastly outweighed by the amount of money you're saving. Because I think that's the easiest way to work out the benefit is I'm paying this, I'm getting that. Um, but also in showing value in helping them to improve the way they teach, to improve the way they run their business and to become more profitable and successful as a result. So the, the, I suppose the kind of final question I want to ask about the DITC and last time if any else you guys want to touch on is anyone listening to this podcast right now, why should they pause the podcast and go and sign up? I, I, my my thoughts would be that uh, the only way you're going to find out what it's about is to be part of it. And if they want to be part of the change and to bring something to it, then, you know, start with becoming a member. Um, and you can do that via the ditc.co.uk. Uh, all the information is on there. If it's not, if it's not clear to you, then our contact details are on there. So get in touch. And then decide what you want and let us know. So it might be that you, you are looking for a particular bit of information. It might be you've got an idea and you want to know where to go with it. Um, that's something that we can both help with. And we can, you know, we, we've helped lots of people with small businesses. Um, so if you've got ideas, I was sat down with one today, actually, um, just looking at this seed of a concept that they had and how to then grow that into something that actually is you know is, is gonna make money um get results and 
you know we're we're good at at doing that and that's those elements if you if if instructor a can bring that along and company b can bring something else along those things fitting together is what makes an industry an industry isn't one person it's you know it's not the group of us sat here it, it's actually the platform on which it stands so uh if you want to be a part of that and you, you want to be you know one of the ones leading forwards and and showing that you are in the top you know percent of instructors in the country um then get involved uh, as as terry regularly says we don't charge enough for it so now's the time to definitely get involved and uh six pounds a month you already get a student card as long as you are an adi or a pdi part one onwards um so you can get a student card through being a member that easily used used with uh with uh enough aggression uh easily matched Lee and abandon is what you need to use it with okay yes definitely and and a, a healthy portion of cheekiness um, yes ask in shops that you don't expect to do student discount you'll be amazed um and you'll cover those costs and then you can just be part of of the benefit um and you can you can come and deliver that We'd love to hear from anyone who's got ideas, who's got products um, or companies that are relevant. And you mentioned the website. I, I just want to confirm it. It is the DITC. Isn't it? Yes. So www.thedictc. Yeah. Uh, I say that because I specifically noticed with, with my website, which is at theinstructorpodcast.com, I had someone message me and say that they typed in instructorpodcast.com because the way I say it is go to the instructorpodcast.com so just clarifying the ditc all one word um all right cool it's also it's also if anyone's out there they're feeling a bit stuck in a rut they're feeling a bit bored and they think they want some kind of help and some guidance become a member and you'll start to find ways out of that um we've got a load of pdi stuff coming on soon that's gonna be relevant to adis as well because it's i think the way i was trained would never pass a standards check. I think having access to the resources that we've got, we're developing, might help people to kind of make life that bit easier. Yeah, good shout. And if you are bored um, in between lessons, I suggest you go check out another podcast. It's a wonderful one. It's called Decapod. Go search out hours of entertainment. You'll find by listening to that. Um, anything else you guys want to throw out there around the DICC? No, I think, you know, Get look, go and have a look, go and see what it's about, and then get in touch because that's the way that it's going to become what something that you will be interested in. If if you look at it and think it's not for me, tell us, tell us what would be for you because I've never met an instructor that's happy. You know, the uh, instructors at test centers are always moaning about something, so you know, let 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 us know what it is. Um, we we know the you know, most of it. Um, but outside of that, we are chomping at the bit for 2022, um, partly to get 2021 out of the way. Um, but we're going to try and enjoy Christmas as best we can first, uh, safely, socially distanced and all the rest of it. Um, and then we're looking at uh, you know being able to really have a planned out year of, of hard graft on behalf of everybody. Um, and please... If anybody, you know, higher power is listening, no more curveballs. Thank you very much. If we can just get to Christmas, just Christmas is all we ask. 
without anything changing, we'll deal with it all the new year. I uh, I just don't want to self-isolate on Christmas this year. That's my goal. That's it. If I can do that, I've, I'm happy with that. Um, I, I don't want to be told to self-isolate on Christmas Day. I want it to be my choice, not somebody else's. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a valid point. There was some bonuses to spending Christmas by myself. Sorry, Mum. All right, so we were speaking before the show and some um, some bits of news that have come out that we were saying we were going to mention. So, Chris, you were talking about um, a tweet around the hierarchy of uh, road users and and there's been talk of this change in the... I'm going to say the higher code, the highway code uh, for a while. Um, What was the tweet? What was it saying? Um, The the lovely Baroness Veer. Uh, I'm assuming she's lovely. I haven't had the pleasure. Um, She tweeted earlier today, um, in July, we announced that we would amend the highway code to introduce a hierarchy of road users to make our roads safer. Today, proposals have been laid in Parliament and, if approved, will be introduced in 2022 to help protect those most at risk when using our roads. End of quote. Okay, so essentially, we try to look after the more vulnerable people on the roads. What What are your thoughts on this? Um, so it it's this thing about giving giving permission for pedestrians and cyclists to walk out in front of you when you're turning into a side road. Um. I'm not convinced that it's co- uh, that it's um, culturally compatible. Uh, I was chatting with someone from America today who uh, said, "Yeah, that's how it is is over there, and you know you're allowed to walk out." But then we hear about jaywalking, um, and from all of the TV and film that I've seen, it, they don't just walk out. But we've got this culture of you know people knowing their rights um and liking to exercise that we've seen enough of that from the militant cyclists not all cyclists i think some of them are brilliant um we've got a local group called um the the uh, the velo girls um who are absolutely awesome if you're on a lesson and you're behind them you can use them to you know to your advantage because you know they're not going to do anything stupid they really you know they they put in the effort and they'd kick someone out if they were, you know, not not following the rules. So I just feel that, you know, with the the militant cyclists we've we've seen, where you know they almost deliberately try and come out in front of you to make a point because they're taking primary position, and they do it in a, in a quite aggressive way. I I think you know, can can you imagine some of the thirteen to fifteen year olds that we see out on the roads? being told yes it's okay to just walk straight out in front of cars i'm uh, it scares me genuinely scares me i think i've got two points here firstly my daughter did cycling training recently and was told you own the road i was like but you don't we share it and i think if you say that to 10 11 year old you own the road it's a very black and white way of looking at things. And I also personally, this is personal opinion, feel we've got the hierarchy the wrong way around. Those who have the least manoeuvrability 
should have the least responsibility and those who are more maneuverable who are able to change their mind where they realize they've got it wrong should have more responsibility if i am a pedestrian and i go to step off a pavement and i realize i've misjudged a gap i can very quickly change direction and get out of the way if i'm driving a 44 ton arctic making a left turn and i realize i've made a mistake there's not a lot I can do in that situation. I think I think that we need to look at it and see where's the most risk and kind of do it on that approach rather than just saying that the, the squashiest people can step out in front of the things that like to squash people. It, it just seems a bit nonsensical to me. And Chris and I have had massive debates on this. We continue to have mass debates on this. It's it's just huge. It's such a big thing that you just don't not quite sure what the right answer is. Um, if, uh, people are listening to this and wondering why I'm stuttering. It's because I'm seeing both your reactions. I don't know where to go with this now. Uh, so I'm just going to throw in my opinion, which is that I'm. I'm massively undecided on this issue because I think that what we what we see a lot of, I mean, you mentioned the word militant there, because what we see a lot of is the, the extreme opinions. I think that most people are generally kind of in the middle. Um, you've got, we use cyclists and motorists as the example. You've got the, ex, the extreme opinions of militant cyclists, the extreme opinions of militant motorists. So you shouldn't be on my road. And then the cyclist being, well, I can do whatever I want. You're not allowed to me over, you know. And I think most people are in the middle, but the opinions we see the most of are the extremes because they're the ones that have the strongest opinions and talk about it. And I I really understand what you're saying, Ian, when, when you say that. But I think that that's um, their sort of specific instances. I, I, I am of the belief, and it's, this is where I've changed my opinion, that I think as, as, as a motorist, I need to be a lot more considerate of more vulnerable road users and i think that i haven't always been that way um and again that comes down to my mindset the way i was raised with the way my dad used to speak to me about cyclists um and it's only really over the past few years when i've started noticing and thinking oh i wouldn't like to have been on that cycle when i were <laughs> that close to it when i went past it and then speaking to some cyclists around that and i think there's i think that one sweeping rule for it is wrong i think there's a lot of nuance there and I, I do think it's a little bit dangerous to say that essentially you can step out from the car. I mean, you mentioned America when I went to America a few years ago. I remember being stood outside at road uh, with, with wife and kid, and someone said to me, "You can." I think they must have twigged with a tourist. They went, "You can just step out." I'm like, "No, no." <laughs> and she went, "No, what?" She just stepped out, and the cars just stopped. It was like Moses parting the seas. It was like, "Wow, it's crazy." But if I we think- can't get. If we can't get the message to forty thousand driving instructors, I, I, I will. You know, I would love to know the percentage that know that the highway code's going to change and it's our job. And then I then think that's going to get the message to the public. And sorry, one one second. Um, the other issue is the decisions being made by people who are adverse to risk. The decisions being made by road safety professionals involved in the highway code, uh, in in um, you know in transport. It's not being made by the people that are the danger. So I, I, I think it's horrifically wrong 
um, and we're ignoring the fact they've got to get it through Parliament. Which has worked so well for them with trailers, hasn't it? And it, it's also that thing of how are you going to make sure people know this? You know, once you pass your driving test, that's it, good to go. How many people look at the highway code after that? Um, what training do we give to pedestrians? Because the Green Cross code, I don't think, is taught very much anymore. Um, it's all just kind of, we're going to make this change. We're going to advertise it to people. But a bit like we were talking about earlier with the emails that you get, most people just won't bother. It's not relevant to me the highway code's changed because I've got my driving license. It's not relevant to me the highway code's changed because I know how to use the road. I think we need to be, like you said, a bit more considerate. And if everyone's looking after themselves and each other, we'll never have any issues. Yeah, I think the uh, the Green Cross code is a, a key one because this change would just make that obsolete. It's you know it's irrelevant anymore. Yes, you should check before you cross the road so you don't get run over. But guess what? You don't have to because that's not your responsibility anymore. It's that person in that car or that cyclist that might hit you while you're crossing the road. We, and we, if you if you step out in front of a big heavy lorry that's going at a fair speed, you're expecting that person to stop. You're expecting that person to see you. And you're expecting to have allowed enough space for that lorry to stop. And the laws of physics will not change because Baroness Veer and her lot have decided that the highway code is going to change. We, we, we do training with, with under-17s. We start at 11 years old, um, although uh, our kids started younger. And the biggest learning that the youngest ones get is that cars don't stop. They don't just stop. They take time to stop. We, we've done an exercise with uh, balloons on a bit of string. You know, can you stop before you hit it? No, they can't. And they really learnt from that. But there's very, very few that will have that experience. And, you know, the, the, they, they can't judge. It's been proven. So um, about the age of 14, they finally managed to, to judge the speed of an oncoming car and whether they've got time to cross. Previously, they thought it was about 11 or 12 and, and new studies have proven, or maybe kids have changed, um, that that judgment comes in later. Um, you know, that is not my area of expertise. But as a parent, it scares the crap out of me. I think they also learn just how complicated it is to make a car move and how much you have to think about it and that actually it's not as simple as just stopping a car. There's a few more steps to it. And I think that lesson is invaluable as well. Yeah, I find that a lot of my students say to me they uh, they become better pedestrians when they start learning to drive, which I think is a brilliant way of looking at it. But I think you mentioned sort of the highway code as well, Ian, that People aren't familiar with it. Like you said, you, you pass your test and then you, they, they never look at it again. I know, don't mean to keep using my dad as a bad example, but I think he's about 30 years old or something. And it, the other side to that is you look at the, the bad driving that's going on already on the road. So people that will merrily break the speed limit. I, I think of it as you, people choosing which laws to abide. You know, that red light, I think, is safe to go through. So they do it. So it's not going to affect those people because they're not, they're going to ignore that new rule anyway, whereas the, the, I think the more considerate drivers are generally not going to be the ones causing that issue around on the more road users anyway. And I think that you mentioned about jumping red lights. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm seeing that more and more often. I'm noticing that the light goes red. 
and an extra car goes through, or an extra two or three cars go through, especially at roadworks. The number of times my pupil stopped a red light, it's been red for a couple of seconds, and the car behind whips past us at traffic at roadworks is slightly frightening. And what happens with the driver who is paying attention to the rule change is giving way to a pedestrian on the left hand side as they're turning into a road, but the car behind, what did you stop for? Well, I'm now stopped because you've just shoved me into a pedestrian. Uh, but I was stopping because I know about the rules. And, you know, they, they weren't paying attention. And I appreciate if it if it's to make people pay more attention, there's a logic there. I just don't agree with it. Yeah, I'm a big believer that rather than rule changes, more training, you know, um, uh, mandatory training, not to be mandatory resetting of the driving test, but but it could be an assessment by an instructor or, or just, you know, you've got to go for 10 hours of a specific type of training that every five years, and that's going to keep people familiar with these roles. Yes. We do it for lorry drivers. We do it for coach drivers, bus drivers. Why can't we just say that every time you renew your photo card licence first, you must complete even something like the speed awareness courses that they complete that they do when they go when they get caught speeding something like that I, mean, I used to run them and the number of people who didn't know what the natural speed of it was the number of van drivers you'd see who were doing 70 on a dual carriageway 60 on a, on a uh, national speed limit road and they didn't realize that the speed limit was 10 miles an hour slower and then when you explain the reasons why for that they go oh that makes sense now that's uh, that's one of my favourite switch students when they they say, "Oh, my dad said," and I'll say, "Ask your dad what a dual carriageway is." <laughs> Ask him what speed limit is, isn't it? And the number of people who who um, don't know what dual carriageway is as well, or they think it's this, and you go, "Well, actually, it's also this." Uh, it, yeah, it's crazy. Well, that's a common one, and you will see this with your fairy training, Chris. What's what's a dual carriageway? It's a road with two lanes. Yeah, and and instructors that that don't know as well, you know, and, and I think that is. I, I never blame the instructor. We're only as good as the system. Um, it, it, it's cascade training, so you're never going to be better than the people that are training you. Now, if you seek, seek out more training, then brilliant. Um, but you're only as good as the training that you're getting. And um, it, the the test itself, I, I like. I like the structure. It doesn't actually test knowledge. Um, and the part one, I absolutely hate the structure of that. I think there's much better things that we could put in there, including some teaching. Be lovely, rather than get part one out of the way first. So you know, and, and you know, to to bring it all around in a in a nice neat bow, they're things that we'd love to be changing as the DITC or influencing, shall we say? Is um, you know, is that having standards that are high up there rather than minimum? Yeah, and I think you don't know what you don't know. And if something changes and you don't know it's changed, you can't necessarily be hold, I suppose legally you can, you know, but you, it's your responsibility to go and find that out. And, you know, if there was somewhere to go and find this new information out, I wonder where they could go to find out, you know, maybe a driving instructor, a trainer's collaboration, whatever. I will say the DVSA have done some brilliant work in the past. When the driving test changed, um, we all got a little booklet in the post, didn't we? Which I thought yeah. was a brilliant bit of work. 
why yeah. why aren't they doing more of that? Well, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's it's my social media bias in that because I'm looking a bit more, it's naturally putting into my feed. But I think the DVSA is being more active online and on social media with this stuff, which is is seen by the public. But again, it's not seen by all the public, but I think that they're being a bit more consistent with some of the messages they're putting out. And, and even with us, um, I think recently over the past few months, they have been better at communicating more consistently, not always in the most timely of fashion, but more consistently and getting the message out there, even if we don't necessarily like the message. I think we understand the message, which yeah. allows us to dislike it more. Um, but the the message has been clearer. Um, there's been, they've they you've seen really interestingly from the beginning of lockdowns through to the end, the clarity of communication became better all the way through that. They did learn from their mistakes. Um, sadly, didn't admit that they were mistakes, but they they did learn from them and and. You know the, the 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 must debacle of you know we've we've the DVSA um, and uh, the you know the, the system has drummed into driving instructors that you know there's a difference between must and should and must is the law and should isn't rubbish in the highway code yes in the real world it's not um, so you can't then transfer that that knowledge it, it's it doesn't apply um, they learnt from that. You know, the second lot of stuff that came out didn't make that same mistake. Um, there, there was much more clarity. And most recently, um, you know, I don't want to sound excited about mask wearing. We got listed, um, possibly just to shut us up um, <laughs> or to support their own policies about driving tests. I don't know. But um, we, we got listed, which, you know, it's nice to be recognised um, because we're not, a shop or a, you know, a, 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 I'm, a, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. When you say you get listed, just tell people where you mean right. you got listed. Yes. It, so I could have several connotations. I'm only on one register. <laughs> um, so that you know of, <laughs> um, that the uh, mask wearing change, which is, you know, that in uh, retail environments um, and, you know, various other places, you, you must wear a mask. Um, and and again, it, you know, looking at it to be a legal requirement, um, the the bottom you had to read all the way through to the end, but the bottom bullet point was driving instructors, driving tests, and any kind of tuition in not just cars, uh, but vans and such as well, um, need to wear masks. And you know, pro pro or anti mask, whichever you are. Um, you know, it, it made it clear what's required of you. And and that's often all we ask. We're a very black and white community. Uh, you know, there's lots of greys, but we, we like a rule. It's there in black and white, and there's the rule. Um, you can then choose whether you pay attention or not. That's your prerogative. Much like swearing in certain Facebook groups might be a rule. And if you go and use foul and abusive language in certain Facebook groups, you will be removed. It, it's, yeah, it's... It, the life that we're in, it always amuses me that we're all about these rules um, as, as driving instructors and we wonder why other people break them. Because in the real world, people do. We're, we're, we're self-selecting. 
we end up ed- educating ourselves into this real black and white, you know, these are the rules and this is what we need to do. Because um, that's what we teach. And sometimes you have to take a step back and go, not everybody's like that. Um, just because I've told you not to drink and drive doesn't mean that you're not going to. Just because I've told you not to speed. Um, and one of Ian's favourite questions is, you know, when will you drink drive? Um, and having that conversation. Um, I, I like how many cyclists are you willing to kill before you hit the, you, know, you before you start looking in your mirror? Um, because if you're not checking it and you acknowledge the risk, then you've accepted that there's a number. What's your number? How, how many is okay? And, you know, different people are different, but we, we do love a black and white rule. So, yes. Um, I mean, the, the mask thing is is fascinating for me, and I am genuinely going to try and be a bit cautious with what I say here because I realise there is massively strong opinions on both sides. Um, so, you know, please don't turn off now. But I, I find it fascinating. I, I really do the, the psychology behind it on both sides. You know, I'm happy to, to divulge my opinion, and I, I, I've never stopped wearing a mask on lessons. And I, I realise that I've seen a few posts lately saying, please don't post and say I've never stopped. Well, don't read my post, it's fine. But it's, I just find the psychology behind it fascinating. And, and this, the one I say a lot is I ask my students what they'd want to do. And then I, I do have a little nosy sometimes, I'm not going to lie. I do stalk social media a bit. It's where I get a lot of ideas from. Um, and then you'll see the same people that are saying they ask the students what to do are often the same people that don't agree with client set of learning. And it's like, we, okay, fine, awesome. Um, but I just, the, the big thing is for me is that, like you said, it's it's a law, it's a rule change. We have been mandated that we need to wear masks on lessons. We're hearing rumours, and I suppose that's all they are at the minute. We're hearing rumours that examiners are saying that if you are seen driving about without a mask on, then they will have a word with you. Uh, and then potentially, if that continues, they won't take your tests out. Well, it is a rumour. It's not official, although I suppose if the examiner said that to you, it's official to you. But I think stuff like that, I think people take it two ways. You get the people that are like, oh, crap, right, okay, best do it. And then the other's like, oh, that's hearsay. That's not real. They can't do that. And, and I think well, you've been told to wear a mask. Just wear a mask. I had that conversation with the examiner today at the test centre. He said, if you turn up, and you're not wearing a mask when you arrive, they won't be able to test. If they see you before the test not wearing a mask, they won't be taking that test out. Oh, there you go. Excellent. So it's not even a rumour. We've heard it from uh, from Air Horse's mouth. And um, I think that, I don't know, I think with that, you, whenever anyone says that, you, again, you hear the old, um, oh, what if I'm out with my family member? Or what if I'm out with this? And, and yeah, you don't, I suppose you don't have to wear a mask in that situation. But I would imagine the examiners have got enough common sense so that if you went and said that and they'd only seen you out with that one person and they went and said that, I mean, imagine they've got enough common sense to take that, take that on board. I would imagine that they'd probably need to see it occurring rather than, oh, was that so-and-so? Was that, you know, it is, I think we're, we're guilty as people of reading too much into things. But we're trained to judge. We're trained to find fault. So, you can't be surprised when we do. It's actually a really good point. I never, never thought of that. We are trained to judge and trained to observe and trained to find fault. It's no wonder why my wife falls out of me so much. <laughs> I think yeah. we also need to give the examiners some credit. I imagine they know who are following the rules and who aren't. 
So they'll use their judgment accordingly. Yeah, I would concur with that massively. I think that as as a group, we're quite often guilty of of ostracising examiners, and um, I don't know. I think that the ones I work with generally, I'm really happy with. There's one I always take a mick out of my students with because he's really, really grumpy. He's the most miserable person I've ever come across to the point where I had a student and, and she passed the test and she's literally dancing in the car, like bouncing up and down on the seat and he's just sat there, like poor-faced, just you know, doing the iPad work and just didn't even look at it, didn't cast a smile around. And then she's like, oh, thank you so much. She's like, yeah, off he trots. But... I've got 100% pass rate with him. I'm like, well, would you rather have someone that's super cheerful that fails you or someone that's grumpy and that passes you? I just find that the whole thing on examiners, I think we're guilty sometimes of putting too much emphasis on them. And we only see how they are with our pupils. So, yeah. you know, it, and, and um, you know, we talk to everybody, and but so, sometimes that's self-fulfilling. So, so, yeah. so, so what you're basically saying is that Terry makes that examiner grumpy, as far as Terry knows. To be yeah. fair, some of the students I've given him, yeah, there's, there's been a couple. There was one guy, um, and he come back and he passed him, but he's like, you literally went the opposite direction of every direction I told you to go. So, yeah. Um, all right, so just to wrap up then, um, I am going to ask you a couple of quick questions to finish on. I'd like you both to tell me. Um, the biggest achievement that you think the DITC has uh, come up with so far? And maybe tell me one change you'd like to see in our industry going forward. I think our biggest achievement so far is getting through a year and a little bit more since we launched. I think we're starting to get some recognition from um, DVSA, which is nice. We've had some engagement from them as well. Um, one thing I'd like to see uh, change is I think we'd, we'd like more, pe- more people to be members, more people to be seeing the benefits um, and realising that we're not just um, a Timper organisation who are out to kind of rip people off. I we want to give more than we can take. I, I think for me, the, the biggest achievement and it's it's largely because I, I know the work that went into it was getting the student card status for members. And it's really frustrating. There aren't more people taking advantage of it because the savings are huge and it's absolutely genuine. Um, it, it, it's just an opportunity to save. Um, people seem... It to, to, I blame us because it's our fault for not communicating it properly, but um, I don't know how differently to say it answers on a postcard please um but people kind of go but i'm not a student and it's like no but this makes you a a professional learner lawyers have had it for ages um and i was chatting with with the uh the director of patterson law and he he said oh yeah it's absolutely brilliant i save a fortune every year um you know so that's there that's in place you can access it for very little every month and benefit massively and for going going forwards you know my my big one um is the theory test i want it changed um absolutely changed from the floor up um if if i can't do that please can we change the word gradient to hill i don't ask much 
Fair enough. Okay, so uh, just to wrap up then, I appreciate both of you guys joining me today. Uh, where can people find you and anything else you want to promote? Uh, Facebook and on the website. So the the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective on Facebook and uh, the, T-H-E, D-I-T-C, dot co dot UK. Um, so you can find us through there. Uh, it comes through to both of us. So, you know, whichever one, neither neither of the other one will get offended. Um, otherwise, Google us. We come up quite well and you're welcome to get in touch whichever way you like. We'd rather that you uh, you got in touch than didn't. Awesome. On what that note, <laughs> on that note, I, uh, I'm going to wish you both a very merry evening. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. But thank you for coming on. It's very much appreciated. Absolute pleasure as always. So a big thank you to both Chris and Ian there. A uh, really enjoyable podcast. And it's great listening to the, the two different personalities behind the DITC and just seeing how different they are. And you can also see why they make such a good pair and uh, produce such a good quad- such a good quality product in the driving instructor and trainers collective. Because this is, uh, like I've mentioned before, but it's something I stumbled across on series one, almost unintentionally. And I, I just love what they do. You could hear it, what I said there. And I really wanted to get out of them the quality they bring. And I think we did in the end. Um, but yeah, a big thank you for you guys for listening as well. I hope that you find stuff uh, on these podcasts beneficial. I hope that you subscribe and follow the show so it goes into your feed all the time. I really advise you to go out and check out the Instructor Podcast Premium. It is a subscription, so you do pay monthly. But if you subscribe for one month and then at the end of that month you decide you don't like it, guess what? You can cancel. It's it's worth checking out. There's some quality over there. And the other thing I'm just going to mention, we are wrapping up season two. I've said that a couple of times now, but season three will be back in the new year. I want feedback. I want to know what you guys want from the show. This show literally has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listeners for every episode. And I want you guys to tell me what you would like on future shows, what guests you would like, what features you would like, what types of guests you would like just let me know uh, and i'm happy or alternatively if you would like to be on the show let me know get in touch and let me know why you can find me on all the socials uh links are in the show notes or you can even drop me an email terry at the instructorpodcast.com but for now i genuinely appreciate listening and hope you have an amazing day the instructor podcast with terry cook talking with leaders innovators experts and game changers about what drives them <laughs>